TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo. in by the fire tones of the tongans whom we give all deference to i'm still a little salty with y'all but i know i don't want no smoke uh you're listening to another episode of the outsider's edge as always it's your boy rance aka ray cash with my brother from another mother i got my boy kyle with me how you doing sir i mean we can't be too mad at the tongans they weren't in country at the time like let's just assume they didn't know i mean thomas seems pretty cool with it though Tom is cool with anything. This is a good point. This is a good point. There's a reason um, his shirt says zero fucks given. <laughs> that is real. That's not a gimmick. So, you know, we don't really have a lot of guests often. And these, these gentlemen aren't guests. They're family. But, you know, it's good to have them on for once. We had to change the time zones a little bit to get them on. But it's all good. I want to bring to the forefront and to the people my brothers, Ricky and Clive. <sighs> Gentlemen, what's good? Long time. <laughs> Beautiful. Rick, what's happening, sir? No, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long time. It's been a very long time. So this is this is kind of a double shot. I did Ricky and Clive. Uh, which will air the day before this will, and they're doing our show, so uh, it's good to get on with them. Yeah, thanks for joining us from Social Suplex, y'all. Yes, been looking forward to this one. <laughs> so, y'all know this is the show that you can trust and listen to to give you unfiltered, unadulterated opinions on anything and everything. Ricky and Clive have gone through a change on their show. Still one of the best shows you can listen to. Probably better than ours if modest. But they have gone to more format-based because wrestling's got a little crazy recently. The coronavirus has changed the entire spectrum of the business, and they're finding ways to keep their show fun without having to talk about all this drama and nonsense and speaking out and COVID and Predator, this, that, and the other. Yep. However, I wanted to give my brothers an opportunity to come on our show and just spit that fire. This is the uncensored episode. I'm gonna leave the door. Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Wait a minute. We have censored episodes. I mean, this is we don't have censored episodes, but Ricky and Clive, you know, they look. They got sponsors. We don't. That's well, true. actually, That's true. actually, we're sponsored like... by Lemonade at the Chair Shop Media, but nonetheless, I I'm mean, saying. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want the ball trimmer people to be upset. They I mean, wink up on us, bro. We also use the word cunt as a term of endearment as well, so that could make it uncensored if you want. <laughs> there's, I'm sure there's quite a few words you could use that we would never use that you could get away with. Apologies, by the way. I mean, you can, you can, you can literally say that word to the person to your left and insult them, and then turn around and say the exact same thing to the person to your right, and it's a compliment. Don't you love words like that? Like, I love multifaceted words. But the thing is, that word... Dude, I don't is, know if that's... Yeah, that word isn't meant to be used like that, but we use it over here like that. <laughs> I personally um, find arsehole more offensive. There's just something nasty about that, but the sea the bomb, I think it's fine. Well, you know, but people play with assholes. They do. <laughs> yes, we, yes, we do. There's a couple people on the show that enjoy that. So I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't hate on anything until you've tried it a time or two. Sure. <laughs> um. So, I mean, I I know I reached out to you three, and I had some rants on that I wanted to get out of off my chest. What we could do is just kind of go around the horn before we like really get into it. If anybody got some shit they got to get off their chest to get off, and I can start if you want me to. Please do. Okay. Uh, Rick, Clive, we cool? Yep. Hey, go ahead. Yep. yep. Okay. So I have a couple, and I'm going to make them pretty quick because uh, we don't need to spend too much time on nonsense. I have a couple issues with the Naomi situation um, on both sides. I, I don't want to be one of those men especially one of those black men that invalidate a woman especially woman of colors experience or feelings i don't want to be that guy shout out to my good friend madeline lenore on twitter kind of pointed that out to me that i was doing that unwillingly and i appreciate her for that good friend of mine um but i do want to point out that there is a lot of controversy that's happened over the past couple weeks with the Booker T, uh, his comments on Naomi. Now, Booker shouldn't have said shit. Shouldn't have said a damn thing. Should have kept his mouth closed because it does not look good when you are bigging up every other person who consists of fans thinks are lesser talented than Naomi. But you criticize her when you can criticize Alexa could be criticized just as much as Naomi could be. Lacey could be criticized just as much as Naomi could be. Dana could be criticized just as much as Naomi could be. But you give all them credit. They're just women. I'm talking about guys, right? But one thing we have to get out of, especially as black people, is not being able to criticize our own. There's a difference between being attacked and being criticized. They're not the same thing. Naomi is not the greatest talker. She don't need to be, but it's okay to mention that. Naomi is not the greatest in-ring storyteller. It's okay to mention that. She might not have to be. I think it is absolutely 100% unequivocally true that Naomi has been overlooked unnecessarily for too damn long. That is it, full stop, in sentence, in paragraph, next page. I think it's also important to be able to mention 
her flaws in the same breath. Booker didn't do that well. Booker only talked about her flaws and didn't mention her positives. Booker didn't try to build her up and help her. He may want to help her in, in, in the behind the scenes, but he did not do that in his open conversation. But so often we have moments like this and situations like this where we are something is said that becomes divisive and you got this group fighting this group when everybody should be behind Naomi. Who doesn't like her? Who doesn't think she's talented? Who doesn't think she's deserving? But there are now going to be people who are going to argue semantics because they're going to say Booker was right. And you're attacking Booker for nothing, which completely invalidates the whole point that everybody was talking about. And that is hashtag Naomi deserves better. Floor is yours, gentlemen. Clyde, you next. Me, right. I think it's a bit of a concern now that, first of all, Booker T seems to have something to say when people of colour are are in the, the wrestling headlines for controversial reasons. It seems to always be the first or one of the more foremost, and it seems to go against the grind. I'm not sure if I've formed a full opinion on that, but a pattern is emerging and developing with him, sort of speaking against what predominantly black wrestlers feel they've I've went against them. So Mark that, Henry too, by the way. Hmm? Mark Henry. Mark Henry too, yeah. Yeah. As for the Naomi thing, you are right. I think the, in terms of a fully formed character, there are better on the show. I mean, look at the work that Bailey, Asuka, Sasha Banks are all doing at the moment. Some excellent work going on with them. Um, Naomi, I know you've got the accolades and some people don't give much weight to the accolades, but I think you have to considering where she came from, where she was a cheerleader. She was one of the Funkodactyls. Um, she has won Battle Royals. She's had, Rans, you're a fan of these, she's had moments in Royal Rumbles. Uh, this one recently, where she came out looking absolutely splendid. To, to We're viral. Point. Yep, viral. People that had never seen wrestling before had thought, who is this? So she has value to the company. So if, if they were going to do this, Naomi deserves better. Tell me, who, who's the next person in three, four months' time? Who's the next person who's going to have a, a clean loss? And for some unknown reason, the internet wrestling community is just going to lose their shit and say, such and such deserves better now, and they're already fed up with Naomi. That's a good point. Um... Oh, this might be a little controversial. Hey, this is the right place for that. Yeah. This I is a safe space in these four. I can't speak outside these walls. I don't like her spots or whatever you want to say when it comes to the Royal Rumble. Right. I think they now come across to me personally as quite stupid and not insulting, but I'm just like, you know. It was awesome when I see it the first couple of times, but now it just happens all the time. I'm like, I don't need to always see it. Um, when you talk about who could be next, um, that's a valid point, but I think people have spoke about Naomi deserving better for a number of years. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I understand what Ryan's saying, like, and Clive says it as well, in the sense that when you look at what Sasha and Bailey, particularly those two, have done this year, 
and then what Becky done sort of like for an 18 month stretch that yeah you talk about the character but like Naomi from for years now has always had a connection with the crowd the crowd have always liked her so for me and this is when it comes to me where I only really care about in ring um product and what you do in the ring as opposed to the character and the mic work etc but for me she's got two of the most important things that you want in a wrestler she can wrestle and the crowd absolutely love her but I don't give a shit what anyone says like when she initially brought out that belt and it was like the glow belt like I can understand what purists are saying oh it's a bit insulting I get it but it was also cool as fuck and at the end of the day the WWE is a machine that wants to produce and churn money and bring more eyes to it, and, and that kind of stuff attracts to a certain demogra- demograph- demographic of the part, part of the audience, so the younger ones, like so whether it be young teenage or, or you know, seven, eight, six-year-olds or whatever. I, I, for me, I've never, I've don't, I don't understand how anyone can hate on the Naomi deserves better because, yes, it's, it's a, a new thing, but people have been saying it for years now that she's not been... I don't want to say treated well or anything. I would say maybe not appreciated as much as she should be. Underutilized for sure. And I want to make one quick point before I let Kyle spit. But both of you guys have mentioned one statement that's very telling. Um, Asuka, Sasha, Bailey, they're fully formed characters, right? Something that I didn't think of until I read, I want to say it's uh, on, on Twitter at Seahawk. Uh, C.E.E. Hawk. I think about it, though. You look at it historically, like guys like Randy Orton, Triple H, John Cena, Kurt Angle, like all these top-level guys, they're fully formed and they're able to stay on top all the time because they've been given opportunities to become fully formed, right? You can literally, you can literally recite the arc of Randy Orton from when he was doing the overdrive and was the baby-faced pretty boy who turned joined into evolution and then he got kicked out of evolution and there was the pretty boy who wanted to become the legend killer and then became the legend killer and then started hearing voices and it's like you could do that can you do that with naomi for some reason it seems like the people of color oftentimes you can't they are not given the opportunities not just to be on tv but to be characters and i think that's the big part of naomi is in this predicament where we say she deserves Yep. I mean, you can do it with Naomi if you try, but what it lacks to further drive your point home is there's no clear transitions. Because, like, you could do it with Naomi. She started as a funkadactyl, and then after she was a funkadactyl, she transitioned into really just being that athletic girl on the roster. Um, and then she did the whole team bad thing. For a little while and then team bad blo- uh, broke up and that's when she came up with to feel the glow and glow Naomi has been a thing ever since so like you could see progressions for her but where where your point is more made rants is there's no story background to explain those progressions you know yeah. we we know why Randy Orton transitioned from X to Y to Z along the way. And we understand that arc, whereas Naomi, because she's only used when they feel like using her, 
um, doesn't get those transitions, they she just gets put out in whatever her packaging is at that time. Um, she's also an example of someone who I fully believe got more over than they expected her to get. <laughs> That's true. And as a result, they have been put in positions where they're like, well, fuck, I guess we got to give her something because, like, people are really feeling this entrance. People that are really Russell, feeling... That WrestleMania 33 title win against Alexa and when she hurt her knee and had to give it up and get it back was solely because she got too over. I, I imagine that she did well for the house show merch tables around that time with the, the glow-in-the-dark belt. Well, she's nope. also one of the few. She's also one of the few women whose merch is just not trash. Yep. Like she well, hell, it took her nine years nice to get merch. that merch. But it, what it, she's it, got is consistently nice and appealing, and like not trash in the way that so much of the merch is trash. But like, I think what really pisses me off with Naomi, and like the reason why I am definitely, you know, fully behind, give Naomi a chance is, like, why do I have to watch the same five women get pushed over and over and over and over and over and over and over again? But she can't get pushed for more than a couple weeks. And when she does get pushed, she got to be stepping stone talent for somebody else. I, I mean, I'm a supporter of her getting the chance that she has had in the past. It's just fans can be fickle. And I think because fans are fickle and they resonate regularly with the four horsemen and uh, four horsewomen and Asuka, that might be why they keep getting chosen to run the show. But chicken or egg. Exactly. I don't disagree that fans can be fickle, but I think part of the reason fans appear so fickle is because they so over push when they get something that they think is a hit and that they think people like, and they cling so strongly to anything that looks hot that when you think they might be giving someone new a chance, you're just like, yes, yes, this is new. I needed something new. I'm tired of these same three bitches all the fucking time. Yes to this new thing. Case in point, Alexa Bliss. Yes, we were so desperate for a woman that was not Charlotte and Nikki that the first woman who could cut a good promo, we were just like, yes, yes, push that. And in the meantime, what we had not really paid attention to at that point is we were all just like, oh, the wrestling will come along eventually. The wrestling will come along eventually. Now, here we are all these many years later. And she's still getting pushes because she can cut a promo. And we're over here just like, yeah, but the match is dope. So, Rick, I, I want to ask you this, Rick. Um, one thing we talk about on this show a lot is what I think, and Kyle, I, I, I feel comfortable saying what Kyle thinks is the biggest problem with the women's division in general is their lack of being able to book anything other than the top championship feuds. When you have people like Naomi or people who or like Bianca Belair, now I'm, I know I'm speaking particularly on people of color. It's it's all of the women, but it just seems to be even more, you know, proficient when it comes to the women of color. But Shayna Baszler is another person who just disappeared off the face of the earth after a WrestleMania title match, right? 
Um, but do you think that, well, why do you think they have such an issue with, you know, booking for anybody else in the women's division other than the top title feuds? And do you think that that, along with their seemingly inability to book people of color, have a correlation? Or they're just happenstance? Because I don't think they care outside of the title feuds. I don't think they care what the, what the women's mid card or upper card could look like. I think they only care about well, Bailey's got a title, so now we'll put someone in a program with her. We don't really care about yous. Yous all kind of wait your turn until you get into the title picture, and we'll somehow push you into that. But I think, for me, I think personally, when it comes to like stuff like wanting to push people, I think what the problem is with fans in general is if someone's not in a title picture, that's not deemed a push. Yeah. Like, or champion. Yes, like Seth, you obviously held the title, right? But, yeah, you had that one with Drew. But we probably won't see Seth in the title picture for a while. But Seth still f- going to consistently face, in, um, face Rey Mysterio, looking like we've obviously got this fucking dominant thing. But we could potentially get <laughs> onto Alistair. <laughs> we could get onto <laughs> another one of Kyle's favourite. We could get Seth in Alistair Black. Like those are still oh, like Rey Mysterio and Alistair Black. Those are like still prominent feuds. So yeah, you're not in a title wait, picture, but wait, who? I don't know who that is. No, look, he, if, look, redacted, if you, I can redacted. kick him off. I can kick Cal off the show, and they can just be Ricky and Clive and friends again. So no, we'll have no, a triple no. threat. Triple threat at SummerSlam. It'll be Drew McIntyre, Dominic versus <laughs> Alistair Black versus Alistair Black with Seth. So wait, so <laughs> So again, so again, you're saying it's a one-on-one between Drew and Dominic because I don't know who that other guy is. <laughs> oh my God, I hate you so much sometimes. <laughs> I don't know who that is. The dream has no memory of that. The dream it's wishes like, it's no memory of other things as well, but <laughs> oh, we never had any memories of it. Ooh. Man, yeah. so why why don't they care? So, like, I just just think they don't care as much about women wrestling as they might try to lead you on that they do. No, that's exactly no, that's where I was going with it. That's exactly where I was going with it. They don't care because, like, sexisms, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I fully believe Paul wants women's wrestling if for no other reason. Then because, like, him and Steph, and he got them, like, four kids, and they all girls. And so, like, you know, I fully believe he wants the women's wrestling. But that don't mean Daddy Vince want that shit. And that don't mean Big Daddy Kevin Dunn don't still see them as nothing but tits and ass. And that don't mean that all of these other people who are responsible for the booking aren't still old, gross, sexist boomers. I mean, even you've got both the women's titles revolving around the same four or five people, as are the tag titles. They can't even stretch creative out to a tag division scene. The golden role models that hold all the gold. And don't get me wrong, 
I'm enjoying. Oh, it's good fun. Bailey and Sasha as the golden role models. It's fun. Bailey dose straps and two belts banks. Like, yeah, that's fun. Don't get me wrong. But like, it is still indicative of the fact that they only want to book, you know, a handful of people. And I mean, is some of that Rona related? A little. Sure. Like, only a little. Because like, not to... Not to be that guy, but like Dr. Britt Baker versus Big Swole is like a huge storyline on Dynamite right now, and it ain't got shit to do with the women's title. Mm. And Britt can't even wrestle right now. Nope, she can't. She's out with all kinds of injuries, and yet that is still a consistent focus of the show. In addition to they're doing a women's tag team tournament right now in addition to Hikaru Shida having the title and Nyla Rose getting Vicky Guerrero as a manager and that being a thing that they're pushing like I'm not trying to be that person but like AEW's got like six women's storylines going on right now and they're a once weekly two-hour show you mean to tell me across three brands and seven combined hours of television we can't get more than two or three women's storylines? Two brands. Because NXT does women's wrestling right. Like, we have one of the major cards that's advertised for this week's NXT, one of the major matches, is Mercedes Martinez and Shashi Blackheart. So, like, they do they do multi-tiered women's wrestling feuds. So don't put NXT in this. This is strictly a Raw SmackDown no, no, program. No, the reason I was putting NXT in it is I'm saying you got three brands and yeah, seven total hours of television, and yet yeah. only one of those shows, the one that is not connected to the other two within yeah. the shared universe, is speaking the only one that's got shit going on. Speaking of that, did you see Kaylee Ray tweet out that she's happy that she's in uh, Britain because Bailey and Sasha can't take her title? Yeah. <laughs> Scotland, not Britain. You know what I mean? Britain, I mean, but Scotland. Scotland is in Britain for now. I mean, well, if you ask these two, <laughs> for now. there's um, a, a piece of land that connects us to them. Yes. <laughs> um, Brian. Uh, I'm sorry, Clive. Sorry, kayfabe. Uh, you had uh, something you wanted to speak about, please. Right. So during this, um, all together now, during these unprecedented uh, times. Okay, yeah, sorry. My bad. You got to have the cue, like the old audience applause sign. So during these unprecedented times, I'm trying my best not to be openly critical of what goes on in TV because you've got tapings, you have. I suppose you could fix it with tapings, but you get people absent, whether it's from COVID or shielding. It's just a bit of a mess at the moment. And also you've got people caught up in the speaking out movement. So a lot of creative has had to change. But there has been something that started to really grind my gears. And see if you can notice a theme here when I give you these examples. This, until very, very recently, and even then I'm still a bit whiffy about it, the Robert Stone brand experiment that's been going on. To me, okay, again, COVID might play a part in this, but Chelsea Green was thought she was so successful with her tag team win with Charlotte that she decided to chop 
uh, to fire Robert Stone. She has not been seen since. So that makes her look a bit silly, if you ask me. The, the Robert Stone brand has not really been about getting anyone else over. I will admit, Aaliyah has looked interesting for the first time in about six years. So fair play to her there. But it's all been about Robert Stone, his um, being sick in the ring segment, getting mowed over by a tank. It seems as if it's a vehicle for Robert Stone. On on Monday Night Raw, you've got the, the Hurt Foundation, I believe that's what they're called. The Hurt Business. Hurt Business, where I would have expected, after Bobby Lashley had a decent match with Drew McIntyre for the world title, that it should have been him that deals with the US title even with a manager, but you've got MVP, who I know he's hooker by crook, he's declared himself the United States title champ guy, but he was in a United States championship match, not his client. You had, moving over on to AEW, Taz, who is standing in front of the behemoth that is Brian Cage, you know, take a page out of Eric Bischoff's book back in the day, NWO days, Eric Bischoff was hiding behind Hulk Hogan, only his microphone outstretched. Taz takes up the whole screen, and Case just looks like a donkey in the background. And he made he talked so much shit for weeks, saying that Cage was going to destroy Moxley. You cannot stop the machine, Brian Cage. And he threw in the fucking towel. He, not Brian Cage. Taz made Brian Cage look like an absolute bitch. I don't know, man. Brian Cage is doing a pretty good job of making himself look like a bitch during that match before Taz threw the towel in. Like, everything about that match was pretty fucking weak. It was the weakest match on its card, and it was the main event. Mm -hmm. And also, correction, it wasn't Taz, it's AEW who made him look like a fucking bitch the same way they made Brody Lee look like a fucking bitch. That way made Lance Archer look like a fucking bitch. Some of them made Jake Hager look like a fucking bitch. Every guy who's over 6'5". Why would you bring in, especially those last three, Brody Lee, Lance Archer, and Cage, who came in, especially the last two, on, I know we're kind of moving away from what you want to talk about, Clive, but they came in on monster, monstrous hype. Cage, it was it'd been building for so long, and he, was, well, he should have debuted a while ago, but he got hurt. Only to have them lose their first significant feud. Why would you put them in? The, and I don't care if it's because Mox. they don't. Mox is fucking they, great. Because well, they on. don't know how to. They don't know how to set people up properly because they are relying on the stars they've already got. And they didn't have a whole lot to begin with. So they're trying to like keep those people relevant. But like by doing that, all they do is rob the legitimacy of all these new people that they're bringing in. But that is still indicative of a problem that we knew they were going to have from the beginning. You oh, can't oh. let the boys have the book. Hold on. Hold on. AW could be next. I want, because Clive has a very salient point I want him to make. AW could be the next. Because that's a real conversation to have. But I'm glad to finish his point because I know where he's going and it's a very important discussion that we can have. Bad use of manager. Yeah, even adding Vicky Guerrero to the mix now with Nyla Rose, I am limited in my exposure to AEW, but I thought Nyla Rose was enough of a presence on her own without needing someone like Vicky Guerrero 
who is going to chew up the scenery in a big bad way. So I just feel as if with Robert Stone, MVP, Taz and Vicky, I was under the impression that the point of a, a manager was to get over their client, but it's the managers at the moment who seem to be getting all the, not the headlines, but the the focus and attention is yeah. on them, and that's a doing a disservice to the people that they're supposed to be getting over. Um, to further your point with Nyla Rose, her her catchphrase was legitimately, "I break bitches." That that was uh, that was her big shit. Was I break bitches? So, uh, she was not lying. <laughs> but are they, are they, are they so does Nia Jax, but not on purpose. <laughs> If, if I want y'all to know that you know that Spongebob meme where he's holding on to the side of the rock like breathing hard? That's what I'm doing right now when he just said that. Is it a lie though? Is it a lie though? I mean, right. Clive, please continue. <laughs> uh, uh, that was my point. I just think... Um... No, you're absolutely right. Bad use of managers. Like The whole point of being a manager is that you are supposed to be getting your client over However, I won't say that it's unprecedented because if you look back at Hulkamania, the feud was against uh, was against Bobby the Brain. Uh, Bobby the Brain. It wasn't against fucking or not Bobby. The Brain. It, was, it was against Brian Heenan. It wasn't against fucking all of the different people that Heenan employed. It was Heenan versus Hogan. He was determined to destroy Hulkamania and was going to get whatever client he had to get to make that shit happen. Difference is, back then, they had two guys, three guys, I give no disrespect to Piper, so three guys, okay, four guys, Hogan, Andre, Piper, Savage, that people cared about, right? That could sell a card. So you can't put them all, okay, but DiBiase wasn't always in the main event. You right, you right, right. Neither was Piper, right? You can even say Warrior, but Warrior came on a little later on, and as as things and Warrior went. Warrior was lightning in a bottle anyway. They could only like they could only capitalize on that for so long. Absolutely. So I think that point, as compared to Clive's point, is that it had to be Heenan because it was a flavor of the month. This month you had this guy that Hogan fed to. The business was different because the business was. People thought it was real. You want to see the good guys succeed. 2020, the business is different than it was in 1980 for multiple reasons, but especially now in 2020, because the purpose of a match isn't to win. The purpose of a match is to do the coolest moves you can do and hit all the spots you can hit and then get and then go see what the ratings are after the match is over. When the purpose used to be, I want to win this match because the winner of the match brings home the, say it with me, everybody, winner's purse. Right, so it's different. So, in with that regards, Rick, tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe the maybe the focus of a manager is different, and I wouldn't even call MVP a manager because he wrestles every week. But maybe the focus of a manager is different. I don't like it, but maybe it's changed. What do you think, Rick? I, you watch more AEW than anybody here. I mean, like when you go back and you watch Heenan. DiBiase, Jimmy Hart, Cornette, Bischoff to an extent as well. A lot of them were like 
front and centre of the screen. Yeah, I was especially thinking during like, the matches, like they were always involved in some way, some shape or some form, like you know. So I understand where Clive's coming from, but there's still nuances from 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago that still be done back then that we do now. Maybe it's maybe 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 it's like more in your face or more noticeable now. But a lot of the things that current managers do, <clears throat> it was happening like a decade or two decades ago. I think it just think seems to happen at the same time. I think that may be, it's noticeable because every show, there's weird management use. I think, no, I think I figured out what the difference is. The managers and valets of the previous era weren't also in-ring performers at the time that they were managing. Okay. Their in-ring performing days, had, you know, Jim Cornette was not still, he would still take bumps as the payoff to the feud, but his days of actually working the ring were long past him. By Exactly. Heenan, Hart, all of them, by the time they were actively primarily manager slash valet, they had long since stopped being primarily an in-ring performer. Whereas Rogers, uh, you know, the former Robbie E and um, MVP and a lot of these other managers that you're bringing up, you know, they're still at least semi-active in the ring mm -hmm. as performers. And as a result, like they become much more the focal point of the feud. You know, I was thinking of another big manager when Umaga was around. We all knew the Armando Alejandro Estrada thing, but like he was not an in-ring performer. So even though he was front and center to the gimmick. To your point, though, I'm going to make Clive's point with that one analogy, which it, I'm going to help Clive actually on this point. Remember the whole thing, the whole gimmick was my name is Armando Alejandro Estrada, right? And then he like he was so charismatic that they took him away from Umaga because he was getting more over than Umaga was. Right. And Clive's point, I think, and I've, we talked about this before we got on this on this uh, on this podcast, isn't that they don't need to be front and center because they do because they're the talkers, they're the ones selling the story. It's that they're taking the focus away from their client. Robert yep. Stone is taking all the focus from Aaliyah. Do you even care that Aaliyah wrestles? No. The point should be Robert Stone should get you interested in watching her wrestle. Do you care that Vicky is managing Nyla? I care about Nyla less now because Vicky's managing her because Nyla was interesting as kind of this 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 Native American Ronin, so to speak, right? But and oh, so the two biggest take and keeping with your point, the two biggest takeaways I have from Taz's representation of Brian Cage are that he threw in the towel and made him look like a bitch, and that he took a dig at WWE's handling of the COVID. That's it. That's the only... Well, they're the most memorable things from his representation so far. And and to further that point, so people were shitting on Cage for the way... JR, even, was shitting on Cage for the way that he reacted to being given the FTW title, only for Cage to give an interview later where he was like, I did what Taz told me to do. Taz told me to act like I didn't give a shit. So I acted like I didn't give a shit. 
I forgot. See, I forgot all about that title. That's just it's bizarre. And, and like, you know, the beautiful thing about the FCW title when it was an ECW, they didn't they didn't acknowledge it. Taz just said this is for the title, but they're acknowledging the damn title. The title belt is on his shoulder in promo videos. Yep. They refer to him as the FTW champion, as if that, that means anything. No. As if it means anything. That's why it was over in 96, 97, because Taz only did it because the real champion wouldn't fight him. And I said, I got my own belt. And it's so, like, belt. It's, a, it's, a, it's associated with Taz. It's Taz, 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 not Cage, Cage, Cage. Y'all, y'all wanted to go ahead and do this AEW thing. Goes look, doors open. Have at it. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say other than they're all of a sudden obsessed with demos now. Like they are obsessed <sighs> with the fucking demos. Well, okay, I have, I have, I have a, I have a AEW conversation I like to have, and I want to go to Rick first. Cody, Cody, don't call me Rhodes. The <laughs> The TNT title, right? I appreciate the fact that in this time of COVID, when you don't have your full roster, there Cody is kind of using the TNT title as a way to give a bit of a platform to unsigned talent who they may want to sign later. Ricky Starks is a great example. Eddie Kingston had a Great showing, right? Sunny Kiss, that was probably the, the the highlight of that entire show, right? Mm-hmm. Now you got Warhorse War coming, who has worked his ass off to become a viable person, viable name in the uh, indie sphere, if you will. Do you think that these are all positives and amazing things? I think that he's doing for his company and for the independent wrestling community. But do you think that these things are being helped or hurt by Cody's need? Oh, I'm sorry, let me not put words in the mouth. By the by, what it seems to be Cody's need to be front and center, and if if because to me, what I mean is, it feels like these are great moments for these people, but instead of them being about the people, it's being made more about Cody by his need to kind of ingratiate them to the community and leave them the ring and give them kind of the Benoit pop after the match. Like, how do you feel about that whole TNT title situation? First of all. <laughs> oh, shit. He hit you with that. <laughs> we're, we're, First of all. We're going to act that Cody is bringing relevance to a mid-card title by doing an open challenge. The amount of takes I've seen on Twitter saying that, like, we're just going to completely disregard John Cena's US title open challenge. Like, that wasn't the shit. Like, that wasn't the first time. Like, it's been, like, where it was a significant spotlight was being shown on the mid-card title scene. I tweeted a while ago, and I mean a while ago, I understand what Cody has done and how much he's achieved, but Cody going out and helping create a company and a viable rival one day, potentially to WWE, and I say to WWE, not just NXT, I I appreciate everything he's done, 
But Cody believes he's Alabama, but the reality is you're just App State. Cody believes... Oh! Ha! That's what I tweeted out. That's what I tweeted out. And Clive, to, 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 to bring it to other context, it's like Cody walking around thinking he's Celtic, but the reality is he's Albion Rovers. <laughs> In the sense that Yes, you've you've done so many great, such such great things, right? But the reality is, like your in ring work isn't even that great. I'm not a fan, and as you all know, I couldn't give a shit if you cut a promo. I couldn't care less if you're connecting the crowd. If you don't produce in the ring, I couldn't care less about you, <laughs> unless you're Bray Wyatt. Oh God! Don't start. So I just, I've never been on the Cody hype. Never been on the bandwagon. Like you know, even some of the stuff people were saying, oh, like what was it? The match he had with um Dustin. I was like, it's a good match, but there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Like all the blood and guts. Wait, wait, wait! Smoke and mirrors. Was that a pun intended? I <laughs> 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 it wasn't. But no, like don't get me wrong. Like I love seeing quote-unquote, like, people we've not heard of or, like, um, indie wrestlers coming in. Like, I think that's great, and I think what they're doing in that sense is, like, look, come on in, we'll have a match, and basically, you know, please remember when it's time to come sign for us or WWE, like, we're the one that gave you the opportunity. So, you know, they're keeping their their foot in the door, so to say. Um, No, I'm just not a... I'm not a fan of them or of it. I, I say that for me, it's always coming down to the in-ring wrestling part, and I've just, I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. Clever. I have to admit, I'm torn, friends. Um, I actually spoke about this in my loads of sorry wrestlingheadlines.com brand extension columns that I've been doing. I'll never get used to that new name, and I know that was the original name. But it's forever LOP to me. I know. Yeah, loads of pain. Um, This whole Cody open challenge thing where he goes over, he gets the fireworks, he gets the blood, he gets the thumbtacks, he gets this, that, the next thing. On the surface, that looks like it's just AEW is my toy and I will do whatever the hell I want with it. But you know, Rance, I'm I'm a fan of story, fiction, kayfabe and stuff in wrestling. And I might be working myself into a shoot. Much love, Hale, um, Hulk Hogan, all that stuff. But I think there is a heel turn coming. There have been hints at that, where he's not taking his opponent seriously, where he's acting like a bit of a dickhead. And I wonder if it is actually a super meta. Cody is listening to the fans, and he is listening to the criticism, and he's going to turn that to his advantage and become the American Nightmare again, in, in um, spirit as well as in name. And he'll be super duper heel. So from that side of things, I actually am enjoying what I'm seeing. Well, there, you know, the, there I, is the I, very heavy room. All of those fucking seeds. They're planting all those fucking seeds for that four horsemen shit. And yeah. like Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes should be fucking ashamed of himself no, if he allows himself to be part of any kind of four horsemen anything. No. That is just blasphemy. But 
that's not really the rant I want to go on right now. The rant I want to go on right now is like, I need AEW to read the room, okay? I need them to read the room, and I need them to stop bullshitting us all, and I need everybody to just accept that the real star of the show, the real star of the company, is cowboy shit hangman Adam Page. And they need to just be pushing the fuck out of hangman Adam Page. Why has he not turned on Kenny yet? I need it. Because Kenny will turn on him. That's what it looks like. It looks like it's going to be Kenny turning on him. You know what? You know what? You know what? I'm fine with that. You know what? I'm fine with that. Because plot twist, plot twist, Hangman and the Revival are the faces in this anyway. So fuck it. I'm here for it. You know what's ironic? Just a couple of years ago, like Hangman was the one that was always like, no one really cared. It was always about Bucks. It was always about Kenny. But see, in the last 12 months, for me, Hangman's at the forefront of that now. Mm. He's a fucking star. Yes, it's him. He is the man within that faction and within the group. If, and, and, and like the, even with, and I think the thing is, like, legitimately, they realize it because, like, he has been the center of everything to do with them as a group for like over a month now. As far like for months, they've been doing this. Is he still our friend? Is he not our friend? Oh, wait, now the Revival are here, and he's really got more in common with them, and, like, they're a lot more like him than we are. We were just, like, his convenient friends, and I'm just like, yeah, because he's the star. There are many reasons why Adam Page is a star in my eyes as well, but the the main one, and it's a, a silly one, but I'll be damned if his music doesn't sound perfect if it was closing a pay-per-view like yeah as as the lights fade and he's holding a title aloft and you've got that yeah um, that fucking music. rip just uh just close a pay-per-view <laughs> it's it's yep. great oh so great yep that you, last you, know, you mentioned you mentioned the word clive that i think just really encompasses the booking style of aw and it's meta everything is just ultra super meta perfect example Everybody in the world knows, if you pay attention to wrestling, that the Revival, a.k.a. FTR, and the Young Bucks don't ha- don't like each other. In fact, the reason FTR is called FTR was because the Young Bucks started that by saying, fuck the Revival. Revival used it and stole its strength from it, much like black people do with the N-word, and made it their name, right? Mm-hmm. Why are they friends? I'm Adam Cole suggested that. Because only a black man can suggest something that genius. Um, <laughs> yes, Mr. Jenkins. <laughs> oh, but, the, but, oh but that's that's but that's super meta, right? They cool. They tagging together. No, y'all should have beef. The only reason FTR should be in AW is to take down the Young Bucks and become the champions. Y'all haven't even talked about a title match yet. Meta, Cody, and his ever-loving quest to outdo every single Southern champion in history, right? He's trying to outdo Dusty, trying to outdo Flair, trying to outdo Eddie Graham, everybody. But it, but it could all be for the purpose of Cody becoming the dastardly leader of the new Four Horsemen. Meta. Everything is so meta. John Moxley thinking he's Hulk Hogan in 89 fighting the next big man of the week. 
John Moxley, John Moxley is proof that the WWE was right to never make Roddy Piper world champion. You never make your second fiddle the top attraction. That is that's a lot to digest there. I that Herb Hart probably right. John Moxley is proof that even though we don't like the things Vince does, he does them for a reason. Because John Moxley is doing every single thing he wants. And look, I am the biggest shield mark you can find. Do you give a fuck about John Moxley right now? No. Not Not even a little. Like, how sad was it that they were the main event of Fight for the Fallen and I was, like, not all that excited about it? The only reason you watched Fight for the Fallen, besides the fact that we have a wrestling podcast, was for Sonny. Yeah, I I was super stoked for that match. And the thing is, all of the other matches were fun. But I was just like, this is not going to be fun. Nothing about it's going to be fun. Because all Moxley wants to do is pseudo-deathmatch shit. Well, That's here's all he the, wants to do. Here's the real problem. And Rick pointed out this earlier. And again, if we, if we could book the territory, then of course everything would be right in our eyes. So I, I, I acknowledge that as I speak on this. But, but Rick spoke to him when he talked about why are you putting Brody, Archer, and Cage in the situations where their first major feud is the title and they have to lose and start back over, right? Brody Lee came in from being hyped and b- being pseudo Vince McMahon to being in a feud with Cole Cabana. Like, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. The real question is, why aren't you putting the people who should be against each other against each other? I appreciate that they don't want to oversaturate their product with Three months worth of the same feud, match after match after match. I appreciate that because that's exactly different than WWE. I prefer WWE style, but I appreciate trying to be different. But why is MGF, MJF just sitting around instead of fighting for the damn world title? He should have done that the second he beat Cody. But no, we're not doing that. We're going to give Moxley Jake Hager. Then we're going to give Moxley Brody Lee out of nowhere. Then we're going to give Moxley... Um, the Moxley didn't fight Archer. Cody fought Archer. And we're going to have Cody beat Archer. And we're going to, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe I'm the ignorant one. But you know who the top guys in your, in your Fed are who you can build stories with. Build the stories with them. Every story doesn't have to be, I, we have the story, we have the build, we have the match, move on. I have no respect for Cody as a character because he let that man MGF talk to him like he was trash, beat his ass, and didn't do shit. Well, and what makes it even worse is, like, they try to do it right after they fucked it up. Like, what they're doing right now with Brody Lee and Colt Cabana is legitimately interesting. Like, it's interesting in the sense of, like, Colt, like, you are looking real fucking dumb right now. You, like, you don't see that you're... Like, you're fucking with some crazy <laughs> bullshit. Like, the comedy wrestler would be the one who would be naive. Yeah, but, like, Colt's character has always been that he's funny, not that he's stupid. I think that a better play here would be for Colt to just be like, hey, do I like the way that they get down? No, but, like, I'm winning matches now, so, like, I like the extra... Pe-. You know what I'm saying? They're, I feel yeah. like they could play it a different way, but that's not the point. The point is... That, like, the Dark Order trying to, like, court Colt Cabana and, like, Brody 
strategically taking Colt away every time the Dark Order's getting up to some of their more, like, fucked up heel shit to, like, try to shield him from all of that. Like, that's an interesting and fun story. And it's a story that I am looking forward to seeing the conclusion of. Why did we have to start Brody with a feud that we knew he was going to lose when we could have just started him with something easy like this? Yeah, yeah. Gentlemen, anything else you want to add? Because I agree with that completely. Matt Hardy still works for them. Like, what the fuck is he doing there? Matt Hardy is trying to be the Doc Hendricks. Look that up for those of you who ain't watched wrestling in the 90s. Trying to be the Doc Hendricks for the Hardy Boys. As she's trying to be that for Party Party. What do you have to do? What in God's green earth or Allah's green earth, much respect to my boy Rick, do, do they have in common? Why are you trying to help the black folk? Let us be. Let us be. Bro, you go over there and be Damascus by your damn self. Look, you chose to leave. You wanted to go. You wanted to go delete, delete, delete over there with the All Elite Boys. And you're mad because the Rona hit, and you can't delete, 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 and the people do the hell hit the sign to you in the damn arena. That's your fault. Why are you messing with Private Party? Help me understand. What does that do for either one of you? I've got nothing. There's one thing. This is not related. And I'm going to coin a, a, a rants, a Ray Cash terminology here. Jake Hager is just absolute dog shit. Oh yeah, yep. he's trash. From yep. top to bottom, he is shite. <laughs> and he's a trash person, like as a real human. So like, he's just all around awful. It's funny to me how people say the inner circle is the best thing, the best uh, stable in the business. Mm. But Hager's trash. Um, proud and powerful, never wrestle and never win. So, like, the only reason y'all good is because Jericho get wins? What, like, Sammy? If they have Proud and Powerful as a tag team, then why did they have to have Jericho and Sammy be a tag team for a, a while as well? Who gets more title shots than Proud and Powerful do? When was the last time they were actually if, in a If the inner circle... I mean, if the inner circle is supposed to be a vehicle for Jericho, then, like... Why does it feel like Sammy's the main character to me? But I mean, it should feel that way because it should be a vehicle to get Sammy over. I'm not saying that they're doing that wrong. It no, should yeah. be a vehicle to get Sammy over. But, but like, it's a shame that Santana Ortiz and Rick said that, and that's a great point. When is the last time they had a tag match? Just as just Santana and Ortiz versus such and such. When's the last time they had a match? Period. Uh, Stampede. Hey. Yeah, they do the five on fives because they got the five on five tonight. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, other than like these like five on five mass stable matches, they don't wrestle. Period. They don't even get to do trios because anytime it's a trios, it's uh, Sammy uh, and Jake and Jericho. It seems, I, I, it seems like a very mismatched stable. I mean, think and, and it's really sad. Like they were the funnest part of the Orange Cassidy juice bath. The See, when you think of evolution, they all look as if they belong together in terms yeah. of a stable. Yeah. Uh, the shield as well. But then a circle, there's just... You can tell, you can tell, and uh, multiple people have gone on record for this, like, you can tell that they originally intended for that to be Gallows and Anderson. And when Gallows and Anderson re-signed with WWE, they last seconded. Mm. 
to I, Proud and Powerful. I, I know I'm biased. And I admit my implicit bias in this statement. However, I think my bias still holds my statement still holds water. It hurts me still to this day that Santana and Ortiz didn't choose NXT because NXT needed a new top tag team. And you see the struggles that they've had. Fandango and Breeze, right, are right now the top face tag team. NXT needed a new tag team. And the main roster, honestly, you know, when Andrade is building up a team of people that, like, would make sense to be with Andrade and aren't a thrown-together team of muscle, like, that's actual proper use of them and the role that you've got them playing in AEW right now. Yeah. And Zelina is a manager that, like, actually gets her clients over and doesn't take over the storylines for herself. Because Selena doesn't wrestle or take bumps. Facts. She just hits you with that Hurricane Rana every now and then. Poorly. So, so we've 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 went, we've went off on AEW for a while. I want to. I, I do want to be fair and 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 talk some negative about uh, WWE. Oh, there's plenty now, to say. So let's do it. Oh my God, we could go three podcasts in a row. But one in particular I want to talk about, and it's something we never talk about on this show, but I think it's relevant because I want to talk about the bigger point and the bigger picture. Rick looks too damn comfortable right now. <laughs> Looks like you about to take a nap. Uh, I laid back just to listen to Kyle's rant. That's fair because it, it was good. Um, I I hate the rating talk. I I abhor rating talk. But there is something to trends, right? There's something to empirical data trends that can tell you things that maybe an emotional investment can't tell you. I enjoy WWE for what it is because I've accepted that it's not that everything isn't for me. So I find the things I enjoy, I ignore the things I don't. It's, that's how I reconcile it in my mind. Mm-hmm. I, that's fine with me. Most people can't do that, which is completely their prerogative. But like Raw, Raw is still Every week, top five, this and that and that. But every week you hear numbers just drop and drop and drop. SmackDown numbers just drop and drop and drop. I want to know. I understand. I know, and I had this conversation with somebody the other day. This time, in fact, it was typed from LOP, Wrestling Headlines. Um, if you look at if you look at WWE ratings from this month. In 2020 and this month in, 20, in 2019, they're a full million over than what they are now. COVID definitely played a part in it. And, but you think about the people who have been out for a significant time. Becky's been out for a significant time and will continue to be. Charlotte's been out for a significant time and probably will continue to be. Roman, same situation, right? Brock, same situation. That's their four-time guys, right? Bray Wyatt's had extended time off. Kevin Owens has had somewhat significant time off. Like, there has been a lot of heavy hitters that are not there. Sami Zayn's been off TV completely. Mm-hmm. And he was one of their biggest antagonists. But I just, I, while I got all four of us here together, I just want to, I want to really get down to the nitty gritty. And, and I want to talk really against about creative versus uh, expectations. Because everybody wants to attack creative. 
and everybody wants to say creative has the problem and creative is trash right now, which creative isn't great probably, but you hear Moxley get on the internet or and talk about how there's a 74-year-old madman writing scripts and all this and all this shit, right? Everybody wants to trash creative. And you hear all these people like the new guys that sound with Impact, Eric Young, if you don't have five minutes for me in a three-hour show, there's something wrong with you. Where the line... <laughs> What'd you say? Is there something wrong with you if you don't have five minutes for him? I don't think all so. I'm the... say is, all I'm going to say is, I was watching Slammiversary, and there, the big reveal being Eric Young, I was just like, this is a reveal? <laughs> it's so, 2020 dog don't fire eric was a long time ago right don't, don't fire eric world world elite eric all this stuff but my question is and i know i'm kind of going around the circle to try to make my point make my question but how much of wwe's failures rely on creative as much and how much of it relies on the performers in your opinions. So, like, can I be honest? Uh, and I hate to say this because I like a lot of the performers. I do. I was watching Raw the other day, and it was probably an hour and 45 minutes into the three-hour show, and I was like, this is just fucking boring. <laughs> like, like, I, I, I like, it, Something about, and some of it is on how many performers are out. Some of it is definitely on how many performers are out. And just like the fatigue of having to see the same handful of people over and over. And I'm just like, I don't care for Dolph and Drew as it is. And we got to have them in a match again. Because this time Drew's got to pick this up. Yeah, Andrade and the Raiders. We got to do that again. We, it's just so repetitive, and so it, it it makes all of the matches feel so meaningless because it's just like nothing moves forward narratively. I'm watching these people compete over and over and over again, but nothing is moving forward. Like you know, the one thing I appreciated this week with the Seth storyline is fuck you Dominic at least you know the like kendo stick shit that was at least like narrative progression all right cool yeah yeah you took that that dude took your dad's eye out allegedly in the dumbest stipulation ever but like whatever cool obviously you want to fuck him up that makes total sense um but yeah no some of it is the people that have been out because of covid some of it is the people that they had straight up fire and forget like a bad fucking habit. Like, remember how they thought they were going to push Austin Theory? Yeah, where has where where has Austin Theory gone? Yeah, remember <laughs> how they thought they was going to push Austin Theory and how? Ooh, never mind. Um, remember how we thought that the cruiserweight title thing was going to be interim? Ooh, maybe not. <laughs> like. Like, yeah, so, you know, some of it is the talent that they had to straight up forget. <laughs> but but I, I do, and I want Ricky and Clive, I want you guys to jump in. That's true. But when I, t- when I, when I, when, when I mean when I speak of, do we blame the perform, who does, 
what's the percentage of the blame, creative or performers? All I hear from almost every person that leaves WWE is, well, creative stifled me, or they don't have time for me, or they didn't have anything for me, or nobody listened to me, or I didn't like the scripts, and this and that. But then every successful person says, well, I did what I want. Well, you have to find a way to make it work. Well, you know what? The only thing in WWE that's promised to you that you that is that 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 you can really earn is opportunities and time. And when you're out there, they can't do anything to you. Cena says that. Roman says that. Rollins says like every Brock has said that. Every person that's successful says that. Jackson so Lucas has found a way to get pushed. I don't want anybody. He doesn't to talk. It's not possible. And he doesn't talk. But I saw Sam Shaw. I know what I'm getting into. Christy Hemi still scared to this day. <laughs> but but I just so I really want to know your guys' opinion. These failures that are happening, do do the performers hold any weight? Are they doing are they not doing everything they can? Are they status quo? How many of these legends do you hear go to backstage and they say that everybody walks in eggshells, they're scared? Is that the fault of Vince or is that the performer's fault. It's probably much, both, but what's the percentage? And, and how much of these matches, to add to your question that I want to get their input on, how much of some of these matches falling flat is a result of them being in empty arenas for the most part? And like, and not knowing how to wrestle, to wrestle and have just wrestling spots. Yes, because the lack of a crowd to like make you forget about the lack of psychology is really making the lack of psychology that as much as I like to shit on Orton, like he got a point about this lack of psychology and it is starting to get real annoying. Yeah. I think I I've got I haven't got an answer with it's whether it's performers or creators creative, but with COVID that affected me. Even like when USA started putting on NXT, those first few months were just a thousand miles an hour every week, thoroughly enjoyable. And then it tapered off, and then we got the empty arena stuff. It's changed a bit now, it's a bit more lively. But I don't know if this is from this program, but there's um, a gif of a black guy from the American office who looks as if he's half asleep. Is it the office? Oh, yeah, 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 it's the office, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that gif, that was me watching my beloved NXT when it was in the performance centre with no fans. I was just, this is, this is my NXT and I'm not caring at all. It was just next match, next match, next match. And I was not, not going to watch it, but my enjoyment was wavering. And I've not watched a proper Raw and SmackDown for a long time. The last SmackDown footage I saw was... Um, the Bray Wyatt promo. No, <laughs> Every, because everything legitimately, everything legitimately feels like you're watching a dress rehearsal, not the actual performance. Mm-hmm. Because like everything about re- even as a fan of wrestling, we don't really consciously realize how much you depend on the fans being around. Because like. Without the reactions to the promos, the promos don't deliver the same way. Without the reactions in the match to the high spots, the high spots don't deliver quite the same way. And to pick up on Kyle's point about them just doing the same thing over and over again, they say uh, there's a criticism levied at WWE that they don't do long-term booking. 
they do. They just do it too much, and it's it drives itself into the ground. I mean, look at this hacker gimmick. Uh, uh, what hacker gimmick? Exactly. That was disappointing, to say the very least. They did the same with Emelina. Uh, I'm pretty sure oh, Lana had the same kind of treatment as Emelina with these. Even Marie. Even Marie. And I know part of that was intentional, but same thing. Uh, just they, several weeks. It just goes on and on and on. And it's the same things. Okay, that story is progressing. But it's just a tit for tat with the, the storylines. And maybe people are just getting bored of seeing those same faces, but not having an end product like the hacker. I think the hacker is a great no, I think the hacker is a great example of the criticism that you bring up because they have on multiple occasions spent all this time building something up only to like trash it before they even actually debut it. Mm. Yeah. And then we've spent like all this time investing investing, investing these vignettes or these segments like like Eva, Eva Marie, you know, we knew she couldn't wrestle and like that was part of what the gimmick was, but like it was going to be fun to finally have that match where like she either got the shit kicked out of her or she pulled some bullshit to win. And, and, and to the hacker, to the hacker story, more importantly, the hacker was the reason why Otis found out that uh, Sonya messed up him and Mandy, mm-hmm. which put them together, which has been a major storyline on the SmackDown. So like the hacker played a big part, right? So for them to not, to just kind of scrap that, and I mean everybody in the mama knew no, it, was it was meant to be Ali. Yeah. Um and now he's not even on the same damn show. <laughs> it's like so everybody knows I don't have a problem with that because it's okay. he, he who he lost against. It's, it's who he lost against. My 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 problem with that is the same problem I would have with AEW in the sense that you don't need to do that. You do not need to put Cage in with Mox. You yeah, don't, don't need to do put Ali talks. in with um, Bobby Lashley. You could have put him in with Shelton if you wanted to. Or you didn't now necessarily that makes do sense. the MP, yeah. MVP angle with him. That, that ha- makes sense. That hacker thing could have done wonders for Ali. You think so? I don't know. I was intrigued. I wanted to see how it played out. I don't know necessarily would or wouldn't, but I it just... It really bothers me, and I think Brian makes a really great point. Like, it just really bothers me when they spend weeks making a big deal out of something and then just scrap it. It's far too long, that one. I, I don't think the hacker gimmick would have worked, would have done wonders for Ali because one thing I know about Vince is Vince doesn't like when you're saddled with something. It's the reason why he strips stuff away from people all the time, right? His right. favorite people, his biggest characters are fully formed characters but they're standalones right so you you think about it like John Cena became John Cena after he, like John Cena John Cena after he stripped away everything from him like you don't rap no more he's just generic John Cena who does John Cena stuff right that's when John Cena became John Cena right like a lot of the time Roman Reigns everything about the shield except for the music and the vest was stripped away from Roman because Roman could talk. Why shield promos? Right? That was taken away from him. 
He went through even Roman. Even people talk about Roman never changed. Roman changed the gear, and it didn't work, and he stripped away from him. So with Ali having to have this hacker gimmick, I think would have hurt him more in Vince's eyes than anything, and relegated him to continuing to be a Mick Carter. Mm-hmm. Now I think now that Vince, you know, WWE is a toy box. Literally, is Vince is playing with the toys, and you know how when you had toys when you were little. This toy has your interest for so long until you get another one, right? Now that Mustafa is back in Vince's purview, Ali as he Ali's gotten bigger, which helps. He has. He's well over two hundred five now. Yes, that helps tremendously, and Ali is becoming to be relevant. Fair, but all over two hundred five is a shit show. Well, hey. some of the motherfuckers was not over two hundred five. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> Kiritazawa is nowhere close to two hundred five. I'm sorry. Brad Tozawa is nowhere close to 205. Oh, Brad. You um, think, think Brad's heavy? <laughs> I think Brad is light. Oh, I... I yeah. Yeah. Grand Metalik has been levitating on those scales. By the way, I love how so much criticism has been levied towards WWE, and they respond on SmackDown by giving us Biggie in the singles, mm-hmm. Grand Metalik, like everything we complain about. Here you go, Jeff Hardy finally beat Sheamus and moved on. Here you go. Remember Happy Mania? This was Happy SmackDown. Oh, SmackDown. My beloved show has fallen so far. I, you know, I, but I, I, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting dichotomy to me because, you know, they say there's no, there's no new stars in WWE. Well, what the fuck do you think Drew McIntyre is? That's a new star. Like him or hate him, that's a new star, right? Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you for that, right? Like, there's all oh, the, the street profits are technically a new star, right? Mm-hmm. There are tons of new stars all over the damn company, but you don't give them credit because they're not, they didn't win when either, either when you wanted them or they're not what you're paying attention to this second. But there are new stars all over. Ron SmackDown. I mean, am, am I am am I wrong in that no, assessment? No, you're not wrong. It's just not the stars that people want. That's it. Well, that's See, pretty quiet. Uh, but, but here, no, but like legitimately, right now, when I when I say WWE, and you look at who's actively on the roster, right now, who are the stars that the people want? Well, hold on. Can, like, I'm, I, and I'm not even asking that as a troll question. I'm asking that legitimately. Who are the stars that the people want? That, that, to answer that question is, all of them. It's just when we wanted them, we didn't get them. People wanted Drew McIntyre to be pushed two years ago, but he didn't get it. And then the slow burn happens, and now he's pushed, and he, it, it was very well received, but Rona hit, nobody cared no more. right? All these people, Braun Strowman, they want him to be world champion when he fought uh, Brock the first time. He lost, Man, but now they, not Braun world champ. Nobody cares anymore. They dropped the ball yeah, so they hard dropped on that. the ball there, man. You, I you mean, you're my... right. You're right. But like, you also know that like they had lightning in a bottle there, yeah. and like that was just the most foolish short-term decision. Also, to counterpoint, the only reason Braun is the champion right now is because Roman doesn't want to be there. I mean, what that? How often does it happen in history? We never, we don't care. How many times? 
How many title reigns does Edge have because somebody got hurt? I mean, here's my thing. Here's my thing. I, I, I supported Braun a lot more before his whole, like, I made it as a wrestler. If you, can, if you couldn't make it, that's your problem. Like, bruh, nah, son. Like, yeah. nah. I looked at him. I like his presentation a lot more now with the Strowman Express and the A-Train uh, smoke coming out. Like, I love the presentation. But I care less about him as a performer now because, like, that really took away from it. But, 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 but my point, and Clive, am I wrong? All the people that are being pushed heavily now, Andrade, right? We want Andrade to be pushed a long time ago. He's been, Andrade has been feuded with the three problems since WrestleMania. Remember the WrestleMania tag team title match for Raw? It was supposed to be Andrade and Angel Garza, but Garza got... But but uh, Andrade got hurt, so it was Garza and Austin Theory, which started Zelina's and Grenoble's. Uh, those guys have been feuding with the Street Profits since Mania. And then Austin Theory became um, a messiah, and then Austin Theory got dropped like a bad news. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. like there's so many people who were in, in these positions, but... You know, but we want him. He got a WrestleMania match before he got dropped like bad news. <laughs> he got that check. That's true. But but I mean, so that's the problem. The problem with fans is that if they're not pushed, we want to be pushed. We don't care as much as we used to. Yep. See, to go back on your point with um, all these wrestlers that are coming out saying Vince is a, a horrible man. Uh, Mad- they're not coming horrible, but he's this come crazy. Yeah, it's, like, it's such a terrible place to work. Ladies and gents, that is not a new narrative that has been going about for years. And I'm sure your colleagues who were in WWE probably told you that at the time. Don't sign for them in the first place. If you've already heard oh. whispers about the place being a shithole to work in, don't sign. Also, go back and look. Are the ones that worked there before and left for whatever reason, whether they got fired or they quit or whatever, go back and are then surprised by the, by the way they were treated the second time. And it's like, bro, you've seen this play before. You've been here before. You know how they get down. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Rick. Also, go back and look at the people who have been released or the contracts run out, just say in the last 18 months. Outside of Mox, none of them were that big of a star. Like, you know, you get Eric Young saying shit. So you had Heath Slater, even the Good Brothers. Um... And if you want to go further back, like you obviously EC3, like absolutely none of you were that big of a star. So obviously you're going to start saying shit because you felt like you weren't treated right. But maybe, maybe you weren't treated right or maybe you weren't treated like a star because you're not one and you don't have the potential to be one. I think they dropped the ball on EC3. I thought Vince would have loved EC3. They fucked up by, first of all, they fucked up by committing. I, I respect them for letting him keep the name, but committing to that name outside of its original origins was never going to work. Yeah. Uh, but to, 
to kind of counterpoint a little bit, fuck, I lost my train of thought with the EC3 thing because he was not who I was thinking of. Well, we'll think about it. Let me make this point real quick. Yeah. The, your point about Moxley is important because there's only three stars that I can think in recent memory that have left the WWE willingly, and that's Moxley, that's Pac, and that and that's um, what's my what's my boy name? Uh, what's my girl? Uh, Kyrie Sane just recently. Kyrie went left because she wanted to go home. That's that makes sense. Moxley left because he wasn't happy. Cool. Pac left because he thought he deserved better. And honestly, we could say Pac didn't leave because Pac got released, right? Just like Brody Lee got released. But that's think about that. There's a reason most people don't choose to leave WWE because if well, you're there and you're and you're a star and you're making money, then you're not. There's not a better place to go. Well, and I, I finally caught my point came back to me. It was about Gallows and Anderson. Here's my thing with that whole situation. I understand why they're mad. I understand why they're mad because if I was straight the fuck up lied to, I would also be mad. So like, I get that. I do. However, when I go back to the thought of like them re-signing that deal, my thing is, homie, no matter what kind of promises they might have been making, you done been with the company by like three, four years now at this point. Gallows for 10 years. You you know, but I'm saying in this incarnation, y'all done been together as a tag team with this company for four years now. You know how they are going to utilize you, no matter what kind of promises or lies they might be saying to get you to sign on a dotted line. You know how you've been used for these last four years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how that is. So, like, the only person you were lying to when you re signed that deal saying everything was going to be different was yourself. Yeah. And I want to. Oh, go ahead, Clive. I'm sorry. There's one that made me laugh was. Um... A few weeks ago, Maria Canellis went on a, a Twitter rant about her time at WWE. Listen, okay, they may not have been booked well, but the Canellis is, is, is they treated WWE like an all-purpose community center when they were there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree completely. So, uh, sorry, when you go, I just want that just made oh, me trouble that one. Your your point is what I was going to make. There are some that have legitimate grievances. The Good Brothers are one of those, right? But then, and this is something that's very important to me. Context matters to me. It doesn't matter to a fanatical fan, and that's fine. But context matters to me. So when you, when I hear such and such didn't get pushed, well, why? Is it because, is there a reason? The Revival. When the Revival got called up from NXT, they debuted. And took out the New Day. On their debut, they had a major feud with the Hardy Boys and were on their way to becoming tag team champions, and they got hurt. Right? Dash got hurt first. As Dash is coming back, Dawson gets hurt. You have to understand, in this business, with as many people that WWE has under their employ, if you get hurt, it is next man up. Do you have an opportunity to get some Finn Balor? Finn Balor, yeah. Finn Balor won the Universal title in his first match. And never got another shot until three years later. Seth Rollins dislocated his fucking shoulder and that was it. (laughs) Now, 
when you get to a certain level in WWE, are you somewhat protected? Absolutely. You deserve that because you've reached a certain point. You've proven a certain amount of, 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 of worth to the company. Yes, absolutely. But you will, this will always give you the opportunity to revival of like four-time tag champs. So that like they weren't misused. Were they not used to, to what fans want them to be? Absolutely. I'll give you that. But then they weren't sitting at home like Luke Harper was. He was literally sitting at his house. Right? Not because he didn't want to be used. Because Vince wouldn't give him the call. Right? You, so there are... Me, go ahead. I'm sorry. To be fair to the Revival, and they might just be saying this now, but on Jericho's podcast, they did acknowledge that they were tag champs, that they were regularly used on TV, and they were. They were on TV many times. Every week. They were both fight and fit. But their gripe was just the general booking of the tag team. Sure. Which, that that's another debate for another day. Tag team wrestling on the main roster. Sure, there is there are issues there. But but just I just wanted to remind you that FTR, yeah. they had different reasons for not wanting to play ball. Absolutely. I have no beef. I have no beef with them. In fact, on this show, I've I said multiple times, I've respected where they left. They left completely amicably. Yep. They There was no issues. They left because they stood on their principles. Even Vince said, I respect the way you're leaving. But there's so many people. And they finished through. out their deal. They, they finished out their deal. They finished out all their dates and just left quietly. Mm-hmm. EC3 said on the podcast just one of the, this, I think this week, that he did the NXT thing, and everybody in the world knew that he was more suited for uh, the main roster. But he did the NXT thing because that's just the way you come in, gave you some buzz, right? He got called up in a situation where he sh- knew he should have been called up on because that was at the time they called up those NXT guys to fresh up the product, and they showed the vignettes for weeks and weeks and weeks, and nobody ever did nothing, right? He said he was hurt. So what can you do with him when he was hurt? Now, Ultimately, should they have found something for him to do? Yes, but if you were hurt, if you're hurt in your, let me give you a perfect, a better example. If I apply for a new job right now, and it's a great job, and when they call me for the interview, I'm out of town. You think they're gonna wait for me to come in town to interview? No, they're gonna interview somebody else and give somebody else the job because I missed the opportunity. That doesn't mean that they're wrong. So there were so many situations in which people really have legitimate grievances. I have spoken ad nauseum about Luke Harper on this show and about how he was screwed by that company. And then there are so many people, so many times, but they don't, I don't feel bad for EC3. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. You were hurt. You missed your opportunity. It happens, right? It it is what it is. I don't feel bad for EC3 because legitimately he's better in impact. He is. He's a big deal there. Like, I don't feel bad for anybody that's going to be the top star in their promotion. And he is instantly one of the top stars in that promotion because they ain't got no style. And and can I say one more thing real fast and I'm going to leave the last word to Rick and Clive and then we'll get out of here. But Am I the only one who who does, doesn't think it makes them look better? But it like it makes Impact look weak that Eric Young walked out of not being used in WWE into their title match. It doesn't make them look big or look make Eric Young look great or make WWE like idiots. That makes Impact look bad to me. Well, and to but to be fair, to be fair, they didn't tout 
anything about his time with WWE. As soon as the music hit and it was revealed that that was who it was, they talked about former world champion Eric okay. Young and former, like they talked about how he's won, he's a Grand Slam champion in Impact. So like he's won every belt that there is to win there. Um, he even won the damn Legends belt that don't exist no more. Exactly. <laughs> so um, like tag titles. Women's. He's still he's still the reigning women's tag champ. Yeah. So, but yeah, so like when he came out, like that was what they kept saying, you know, Josh Matthews and uh, Don Callis, they just kept talking about how he is the, you know, former world champion and blah, blah, blah. Rick? Nah, I don't have too much to add on. Like, I think bottom line, I think Kyle says it quite well. Like, you know what kind of situation you're getting into. You took the money, and however you're treated, that's how you're treated. Like, yes, you want to stand up for yourself, but at the end of the day, you know you know who you're getting into bed with. Yep. You know, so for you then to start bitching and moaning about after, and it's like, what, what made you think it was going to be any different? What made you think they were going to treat you any differently from anyone else? Um, not saying that's good or anything, but stop going into it looking so naive when when you know there's a good chance that you're not going to get what you want out of it. Oh, but everybody thinks they're going to be the one that breaks through the glass ceiling. Oh, yes. They're going to be the one. And they're going to do it their way, the way they want to do it. Uh, my name is John Moxley, and I'm going to come to WWE, and I'm going to wrestle death matches. What? <laughs> Oh, John, just give it a breast. Renee Young must look at her phone and say, ah, shit, here we go again. I'm saying. <laughs> Last word, Clive. Last word, my brother. So I did have to step away there, so I didn't hear much of what was said. But if it was me and I finally got the chance to go to WWE, I would see that as, right, I've done my hard work in the Indies. I'm going to take it easy, keep fit, and I'm going to play Uno with the New Day. And I'll be a camper. Up, up, down, down, baby. That's the goal. Yeah. Some FIFA. Yo, so, man. Creed so for G4. Creed for G4, which is only going to be bad for the New Day because Creed ain't going to wrestle no more, which means that Big E for champion. Listen, listen. You don't get a PhD in nothing without being smart enough to realize that when you rupture your Achilles, it's time to start looking for plan B. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, you know how the you know how the how the street property said they want all the smoke, mm-hmm. right? Creed wants all the bags. He wants all of the money. He wants every bits of it. Oh okay. yeah. Kyle, oh, yeah. did you know that um, they do a Dungeons and Dragons on up up down down? Yeah. Oh 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 yes yes of course. You you and the dungeon the dungeon <laughs> master is uh Freddie Prince. That's not. Um, all right, before we get out of here, any last hot takes you guys want to hit, or are you, we good? Um, uh, is there any? Go ahead. It's not a hot take, it's just remember Dexter Loomis is watching. If the, if I see that motherfucker's head pop up in your video from behind you, oh, I'm, oh. I'm how, done. How good was that tweet from Roderick Strong's Twitter account? Just a picture of Dexter Loomis's face. Yep. Oh, Alrighty. 
So is Dexter Loomis to Roddy as Bray Wyatt was to Xavier? <laughs> Poor Roddy. Um, you shouldn't be that scared. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, right. give shoulder cry. Last, last, last topic and we're out because I, I want to ask you this, so I forgot to ask you this. Just give me a just give me a yes or no and a quick answer. Undisputed error. When they inevitably when they inevitably inevitably turn face, should they do it now for the story or should they wait till they have fans? Uh, I question them turning face, so uh, it's got to eventually, right? They've been hill for like four years. They got to eventually. But that's so good. They're too loved. Well, well, let's let's just say they do. Let's say they are going to turn face. I don't think they will. Can you drag it out to the point you can get fans in there? That's I, I mean, I don't know what the situation is over there, but you know, like I can't imagine there's going to be fans anytime soon. You can you can keep them being like smug bastards. That's like their character. Kyle, I think, well, I think everything that's happened during COVID nineteen, like moments, as Rance would say, they've just seemed less significant. Like Drew winning the title at WrestleMania was huge for us over here. We all loved it, but you needed the crowd there as well. Yeah. I think there's certain things that you just need the crowd there for that specific moment. Although Drew talking into the camera and saying everybody who's there, you with me. like that. That was oh, yeah, like see, yeah, some, that was some, dope. Thing, some of the things you pick up and you can hear them talking and stuff like that's great. But as Kyle mentioned earlier on, like we need the fans back. Like you know, like <clears throat> spots and moments and matches just don't seem as big without the fans. I mean, I'm okay with them not turning face, especially if it allows me to get Adam Cole beating the dog shit out of Pat McAfee. Because, <laughs> like, I'm here for that. Clever. I was going to say the same thing as Kyle. I mean, that's a what? Aye, but like, it's great. I, well, I don't know how people think that wasn't. Yeah. Because, because look, I like Pat McAfee, but he is a dick. So oh, I know, but see on the the see you've got the watch-alongs that the jobbers and stuff do on the the network or the YouTube. Like you've got the watch-alongs of a pay-per-view, and you've got the NXT guys and um, Rosenberg and Sam Roberts, sorry, watching the shows. Well, Pat, there's another video of Pat and Adam going at each other, and that it's. Oh no, they got they got beef. Like every time they're in the same room, they have beef. This is a this is a long game. This one this will be takeover thirty five. Uh, main, main event. What would be the purpose of it if Pat McAfee's not going to take a bump? No, oh, Pat McAfee's been training. How long can you? Keep and him? and look, he's a punter. Cool, I get that, but he's, he's in great cool. shape. He 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 for a punter he. I don't think he shied away from contact too much, though. No, he's yoked. He's him. He's one of the few punters that get, that like actually can get it. Like he really, like he's an athlete. He's not just a guy that kicks. He's an actual athlete. I mean, um, I know the storyline would not present Adam Cole as the face, 
in that scenario. But for me, Adam <laughs> Cole is definitely the face in that scenario because Pat Matt is a douche bro and a half. Daniel Bryan in WrestleMania 30 type face. Daniel Bryan was the face. He was out here talking about protect the planet, and we supposed to hate him for that? Oh, I'm talking WrestleMania 30, but no. Okay, if that's the case, then the Miz was right. The Miz was Bryan right. Bryan was always the heel. Um, right. <laughs> uh, Rick Clive, thank you for coming on. We appreciate you guys. Yeah. Um, I know it's late down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Tell the listeners where they can find you. Get your plugs out. Clive. Actually, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I want to see Ricky do the plugs. Go ahead, sir. I don't even know what I want. Let me go get one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you to just see while you do that, can I plug another couple of things? Of course. No, whatever. This is your time. Um, I forgot to say it on my own show, but. In the next few days, members of Lords of WrestlingHeadlines.com slash Lords of Pain have been doing a fantasy draft for the last few weeks. Lots of eligible wrestlers. We finally have our own individual rosters, and the last few days I've been compiling bills to a pay-per-view fantasy. It's like e-fading, basically. So I'll put something out on their Twitter, and it'll be a link to a massive, and I'm, I'm at like 3,800 words, and I'm not finished yet. Dang. I know. Uh, this is dissertation stuff, so please do me a solid and just read it. Like, or pretend you read it. Retweet it or something. Just Give him the click. Give him the click. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> my Google Docs is shouting at me saying, stop using me, so have a read and enjoy my book- enjoy my fantasy booking. His Google Docs are screaming, no, screaming like, leave me alone. But yet, me and him have a column coming very soon. So, <laughs> yep. look out for that. You got the dates, Ricky? Yes. So, you can find us on Twitter. We are Ricky and Clive. Wrestling Show. And the Twitter handle is at Ricky and Clive. Is it? Also, also, I love how he had to look that up. Your, your, your show. Our show. You can find their show on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout-out to Josh and Jeremy because Rance and I still love y'all, even if Ricky and Clive forget where they're at. Yeah, Ricky, it was Ricky's floor tonight. Um, I get I get grief for doing shit plugs, but that was... <laughs> I was promoting our show, not the network. Sorry, Jeremy. We- we 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 are the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. We are at uh Ricky and Clive. Like, bro, come on. <laughs> shout out shout out to the other shows on Social Suplex. Shout out to uh One Nation Radio, Rich and James, shout out to Get in the Ring. Um, shout out to Floyd. That's Floyd's show, right? Get in the ring. No, Floyd's all things elite. All things elite. Shout out to Floyd, all things elite. Shout out to uh Girl Man Watch This Shit, uh James, Jeremy and um James, yeah. James. Um, and they got another show, don't you? Well, we didn't shout. I mean, I said shout out to Josh and Jeremy, but like they're oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. strong style. Yeah, we gave them a personal shout out. Uh, but shout out to everybody over there. Um, okay. And shout out to Manscaped, where you can shave your balls in your head and get good stuff if you go 20% off. If you use the promo code. <laughs> Social Suplex. 
Hey. Can we just roll this back so I can record you doing our plugs and I'll just wait for <laughs> the next week's show? Hey, Thank you. I, I got commercials for Mags' show. Yeah, we can we do, do that. Yeah, yeah, we do commercials for other shows all the time. Um, you can find us, though, y'all, as you know, on the Chairshot Radio. We are part of the Chairshot Media Network where you... Always use your dick. Head. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a head there, too. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. You can find my good brother Rance on Twitter at It's Ray Cash, Black Lives Matter. By the way, the show is at Outsiders Edge CS. at the guy that owns at Outsiders Edge. I will get you the manscaped shit so you can shave your balls. Give me the Twitter handle. He must be a guy got for fine runs. It must be. <laughs> what else do I got? You know what? You know what? If you give us a Twitter handle, I promise you Kyle will say a nice thing about Dominic. That's a big promise that I am not prepared to co-sign. But <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, um, before we go, any last words, guys? Do you mean to do it? Just get one follower? Yes, one follower. And hasn't tweeted since 2012. Give me the handle. Bastards. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and you know who the fuck he tweeted up? <laughs> Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know this very well. Because I've I've reported him like 17 times. I want the handle. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. the handle because, y'all, you know, we're just some increasingly older men doing what we can out here to try to make it through this corona-filled world. And sometimes we're going to say some controversial things like John Moxley is not world title material. And sometimes we're going to, you know, fuck up or lose our train of thought or just, you know, have some fire takes. But no matter what, y'all, we're out here chasing our dreams. And you got to respect that. Because, like, if you don't, well, we just don't give up. Fuck. All together now. Fuck them. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll catch y'all next time. <laughs>